0: Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Mo. I'm a youth work apprentice here. Hi, if I haven't said hi before. Um, if I get the first slide, thank you. Um, so, funny thing I agreed to sharing a message, and then I went home and I was speaking to my wife. And then it dawned on me I was like, wait, I've just agreed to share a message on a unified service on Pentecost Sunday. It's like, oof. But let's, let's get into it. And I just pray that <clears throat> something of the truth will resonate with every single one of us, um, that at least one thing within it <clears throat> will stand out for us, that we, we can take away. Um, so the second commandment You shall not make for yourself an idol, it should say, to worship. Um, So, a brief story. God reveals himself to Moses, the original Moses, (laughs) through a burning bush. Now, I want us to hold that image of a burning bush. I want us to hold that in our mind. So, God reveals himself to Moses through a burning bush and commissions Moses to work for the, for the deliverance of a nation. Moses is a bit reluctant, but finally accepts this commission. And his acceptance of this commission then creates an open door for God to work so wondrously and to display himself to both the Israelite na- the Israel nation enter Egypt. He delivers them. He leads them into the wilderness before Mount Sinai. He calls Moses up onto the mountain and for 40 days and 40 nights he talks to Moses. He delivers to Moses a set of commands, a set of a list of things that as a nation Israel needs to follow in order to come into a covenant with God. So Israel obeys God and in turn God blesses them, he provides for them and he continues to reign as their Lord and as Moses is coming down off the mountain he, he notices that the nation of Israel it's been 40 days now there wasn't any phones or anything so you couldn't really just call Moses, are you alright? Um, it's, it's been a little while I don't really know how you are so they don't, they don't know what's happened to Moses. And so they have turned and fashioned something of their own to worship. It was I heard an interesting statement about that. Someone, I can't remember who, but someone mentioned that in creating idols, we almost remove or magnify an attribute. And so in the golden calf that they created, they had magnified the attribute of strength. And so they were worshipping the strength that had delivered them, the strength that had taken them through this journey into deliverance. Moses comes down. Yes, right on cue, thank you. Moses comes down, and he sees this, and he dashes the tablets on the floor. So this is our first introduction to idolatry, from the Israel nation, how they have turned their hearts away from God. And this was at the very beginning before they even got the Ten Commandments. And in this as well, we see idolatry from the perspective of a community, not necessarily individuals, but as a community. As a community, all of them have turned to this. It wasn't exactly this, but something similar, we'll say. And they have said this was the God that had delivered us. So normally, when we think about idolatry, an idol, by the way, is something that we have made of ultimate importance. Um, There's a usual idea that idols are carved images. But if we look at the next slide, we see that Any one of these things can be placed on a pedestal of an idol. We see that family, money, pleasure, fame, success, comfort, power, approval, all of these things can hold ultimate importance in our lives. And each of these plays out in our individual lives. But what I want to turn our attention to Is something known as cultural idols. Now, a culture can traditionally, cultures are known as like ethnic backgrounds and where you're from. So, I'm Ghanaian, there's a Ghanaian culture. From, I'm Ga, as Ghanaian, so the tribe that I'm from is Ga. There's a Ga culture. But more recently, um, the definition of culture that has started to appear is a set of values, traditions, and beliefs held by any group or organization. And so if we think about it, we are part of so many different cultures. There's a St. John's culture. There's a Hackney culture. There's a London culture. There's a family culture. There's a school culture. And these are just to name a few. There's so many different cultures that we're involved in and speak over us, and we speak into. And in reality, we feed into what is held as vital in these cultures, and they speak, these cultures speak over us. So, I'll just pluck one out of the air. Education and schools. This is the season of exams. Good luck to everyone taking exams, by the way. Actually, not luck. God's grace, (laughs) believe you. Yes, so education. Some may elevate education to, I need to get A's. Um, Parents might place pressure on their children to get a certain um, grade. Yes, it's beneficial in terms of getting an A and stuff. But sometimes the motivation behind it isn't necessarily just that their children may have good grades. But I can phone my auntie down the road and say, "Hey, you see my son? Yeah, he just got an A." And it's it's the pride. Now, there's nothing wrong with being like having a sense of pride and enjoying your children's achievements. But if we are pushing our children to achieve that, we may boast other people that can be unhealthy, especially towards our children. We're placing all that pressure on them that we can turn to another person and say, hey, John just got an A, what did yours get? And yeah, it is a bit unhealthy, and as children as well, sometimes we can get into the habit of, I am known as very smart and very bright, and so I then place a pressure on myself to achieve a certain grade in order to continue to feel like, yes, this this is me. And it can then become an idol and become unhealthy. Um, if I can get on the next slide, please. When we look at life and values, it can almost be split into these seven categories. And arguably, I wouldn't say arguably, I can almost guarantee that In every single one of these areas, idols can lurk for individuals and for cultures. Let's just take one at random, spiritual. The Pharisees were known for, so the Pharisees were those individuals who were like learned, were really religious in Jesus' time. They were known for praying out loud, wearing the right stuff, tithing all it, tithing 10% every time. But Jesus said, you've actually, you've almost missed the purpose of that. And you're doing it for show. And Jesus says, you do it that people can see that you're doing it. And as people see it, you've gotten your reward. But those who do it genuinely out of a heart for God, God sees it and God rewards them. And so in every single one of these areas, at like spiritual, career, family, there, is, there are values within them. Now, these values aren't necessarily wrong, but they become a problem when we make them the ultimate thing. They become a problem when we elevate them to an unhealthy degree and almost start to live our lives trying to attain this. If I can get the next slide, please. So, in this brief talk, I'm not necessarily going to walk us through how to identify our idols, but rather almost try to walk us through a remedy that can help us live healthier and balanced lives. Um, So the first of these steps Actually, I don't like the word steps. The first of these things to help us live balanced lives is fear. Now, I don't mean fear like we're watching The Conjuring or Insidious or something like that. I don't like horror films. I watched two and I was up for a whole week. So I just stopped. Yeah, I just, I just stopped. Um, but fear, fear of God. In Romans 3, we see a list, we, we see Paul going in and saying that all have drifted away, all are doing what's right in their own eyes, all, are, all have traded the image of God for created things and we are worshipping them. And he finishes it off by saying, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And so when it comes to God, when we speak about fear, We're not necessarily speaking about fear of snakes, fear of the boogeyman, fear of Santa Claus not giving you your (laughs) presents because you've been on. Fear of spiders, like fear of heights. We're not speaking about that fear. Rather, we're speaking of awe and wonder. If I can get the next slide, please. Thank you. We're speaking of awe and wonder. We're speaking of looking at, we don't really see many stars in London because of the light pollution at night. But I went to the countryside one time. And one time, I was there. I was there. Um, like, I was petrified. There were no street lamps. I was walking out in the pitch black, and I was petrified. But then I felt God saying to me, look up. And I saw the most amazing skyline I've ever seen in my life. And it was literally just stars. And in that moment, I felt so small, yet so loved. In that moment, I felt the God who has made every single one of these stars that just cover the sky cares so deeply and intimately about me. And I just stood there in awe and wonder. And then I looked down. Then I ran into my room. Um, But also, when you go to a lake, or you go to somewhere of immense beauty, or you look at someone, who means a lot to you, and they just cast your gaze back to God. It's like, God, you have blessed me with this person. I look at my daughter's face sometimes, and I'm like, God, you're so good. Like, you're so good. And she hasn't done anything. She's just standing there watching Peppa Pig, and I'm just like, God, you're so good. And it's just that sense of awe and wonder as to the grandness and the greatness of God. Yet, so how intimately and intricately he cares all over us and how so in tune with everything he is. That is what we're talking about when we, when we talk about the fear of God, where we stand in awe and wonder of who God is. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's like unless we, we have that fear... Whatever we may think we have, we haven't begun to know the wisdom of God. So that's the first step. I really should look for a better word. Um, In trying to navigate this world of idols, the fear of the Lord, holding a right view of God. Second, um, next slide, please. Is to seek. I really wanted to like find a word that starts with S for fear, so that I could have like S S. But it just didn't work. So I was just like, uh, I'll just try it again. let just see how it goes. Um, two is to seek. In Matthew, this this verse is back in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew five six seven, we find this verse. In verse 6, middle, uh, chapter 6. Um, and a bit of history about this, a bit of context uh, of this verse is that Jesus speaks. So, just after Jesus gives the um, teachers the Lord's Prayer, he goes into teaching about not worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, not worrying about the day to day things. And he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added onto you. Seek an active pursuit, actively going after something. First, His kingdom. Now, this, this, seek, ah, seek first the kingdom of God. That it's. How do we seek the kingdom of God? The way that I like, the way that I've like through studies and reading different literature and stuff, I've come to understand it is seeking the rule and reign of God in our hearts and in the communities around us, the places around us. So it's seeking for God's word, his presence, his spirit to so fill us and rule our lives and through us to impact those around us. And it also says on his righteousness, Jesus had just finished speaking about the righteousness of the Pharisees, which amounted to nothing. But the true righteousness is to do the works of God, not looking for recognition from man. But on this side of the cross, his righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. His righteousness is not found in our works, in our deeds, our actions, what we can say, what we can do. It's found in Jesus Christ. So in, in essence, seek first the kingdom, is seek to be so moved by this God who we fear, to have his presence soul fill us, and to find our righteousness only in Jesus Christ, find our right standing only in Jesus Christ, knowing that everything else that we have need of on a day to day will be taken care of. Next slide, please. Shine. I managed to get to S's. I managed to get two S's. Again, Sermon so, um, so on the Mount. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And this is what really speaks to these idols. It's in a sense of Idols aren't necessarily bad things, but things that we've placed the wrong emphasis on. But when we are in a position where we stand in awe and wonder of God, we seek his kingdom, his rule, his reign in our lives first. And then we engage with the wider community in a way that it's shaped by this God that we stand in awe of. And is shaped by his presence filling us. We don't do it that, yes, people will see our good works. People will see our engagement. But it won't be for our name's sake. It won't be for our glory. It will be that people will see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. And so right there, we've just, yes, I'm going to achieve that A. Eh? but not that the teacher's going to pat me on the back, but that I may glorify my Father in heaven through it. Yes, I'm going to campaign for human rights, but not that people will pat me on the back, but they will catch a glimpse of my convictions and the God that I serve and the God who spurs me on to, to care about human well-being, human flourishing. To care about things that others may not, or others may find trivial. Next slide, please. Gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So, in going through the three steps, we can sometimes have the notion that unless we're doing something that's outright religious, we aren't quite pointing towards God. Or unless, ah oh, you got an A, yes, but for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Like, unless we're doing something along that nature, we're not directly pointing towards God. Um, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Yes, he gives spiritual gifts, but some of the gifts are, are mentioned as encouragement administration giving financially or giving out of your time these are physical tangible things but yeah it's still known as a gift of the Holy Spirit and so what I really want to emphasize is you shining for God's glory doesn't have to be quote unquote religious but you can be an academic draw drawing glory for like directing people to God. You can be a you can be a sportsman pointing towards God. You can be a community organizer, drawing glory towards God. You can be a secretary. Ah, I see your face. You can be a, you can be a secretary. You can you can go up you can you can clean the streets. Like there is no work trivial. You can be playing like Like, kids, you can be playing in the playground, just having fun, bringing joy to the lives of the other children around you, sharing your convictions. And it's not not just bound in what we deem to be religious activities. Next slide, please. So in Acts 2... Eleven three to twelve. We read that. Both Jews and proselyte proselytes, I believe I said that right, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? This speaks of after the day of Pentecost the community heard the Russian wind and came wanting to see what was happening. And the disciples went out. And the Holy Spirit had given them utterances where they were speaking in the multitude of languages that were present. And everyone was hearing God's word. Everyone was hearing the the deeds of God in their own language. And they said, all were amazed and perplexed and what I, what i really wanted to draw from this was going back to what i said in a previous slide that everyone heard it in their native tongue someone's native tongue might be art someone's like when i say native tongue is not speech and stuff but what is natural to the person what resonates with that person might be a specific thing that then god will use us through it might be music it might be dance. It doesn't necessarily have to be a sermon. It doesn't necessarily have to be what we think it is. People res- different things resonate with different people and us in the hands of God is an amazing thing where he can use anything to share his message, to share his truth, to share the love To impact someone's life with the Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. So, yeah. I really wanted an S. I really wanted an S. Fear, seek, shine. I just want to summarize it as that. Fear, seek, and shine. Fear the Lord. Seek the Lord. Shine for his glory. Last slide, I believe. Yes. This slide is an interesting one. The reason I really wanted this slide is sometimes we can view idols as on a scale. Am I placing more weight on Jesus than on this? Am I placing more weight on Jesus? Than on my exams, Jesus or finances, financial stability, Jesus or housing, Jesus or community interest, uh, community organising. But I really want to challenge us that it is not Jesus pitting. We shouldn't live our lives pitting Jesus against something else, but allowing Jesus to be the scale that weighs everything else. Allowing Jesus to be the scale that weighs how much importance we place on things so rather than weighing something against jesus allowing jesus to place the weight on that thing in our lives so that's the last thing i want to say thank you Let's stand together and let's pray. And I think let's take that last...